them fell right down that rabbit hole so reality is questionable try but you just can't let it go these two right here put on the show it's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Hey guys, we are excited to once again be at CryptidCon, which is November 20th and 21st, Saturday and Sunday, in Lexington, Kentucky, at the Clarion Hotel. Tracy, are you excited to be there? Yes, I am so excited. I, I get so excited to see all the other people that are there, and, and of course the people that come to see everybody, they are so sweet, and we just look forward to it every time. Last time we were there, we were right next to the table for to a Mountain Monsters. Yes, we were. And my goodness... I'm they telling you what, those, so funny. Those guys had us rolling most of the day. They are so sweet and so nice, but they are very comical. But there's going to be a bunch of people there. Uh, it's it should be a great show out. We were talking to the uh, the show promoters, and they said they've sold more pre tickets than they ever have oh, for good. the events they've done. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be awesome. Go to cryptidcon.com, get your tickets, come by and see us. Yeah, if you guys are in the area, please stop by. We'd love to see you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 278 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we have covered a few vampire stories on here, but tonight may take the cake. Uh-oh. So before we get into that, obviously we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks to all of you men, women, and service animals who help protect us and keep us safe every day. Amen to that. We love you guys so much and hoping some of you get to come home for the holidays. We just want to thank you for keeping us safe and we love you guys and praying for you every single day. Tracy, it's that holiday time of the year and this is a time where a lot of people struggle more than other times of the year. And we just want people to know that whether you realize it or not, you are part of our family. You know that's right. And uh, we just like people to know that if, even if you feel like that you don't have anybody, you really do. It's just a, imagining a wider scope, I guess, to see people who are who are in your circle that you may not even consider to be in your circle. And, and hopefully us and people in our group and Facebook friends and Twitter friends and Instagram followers, all those people are part of your circle if you let them be. And we just want you to realize that there are people out there who care that would miss you if you weren't here. And, you know, like I had somebody this morning that was messaging me uh, about some issues that they were having, and we are more than happy to lend an ear. We're not professionals by any any means, but sometimes all it takes is somebody to just talk to and and get it off your chest and you feel better whatever it is that's really you know making you struggle right now that's right and you know i've kind of thought maybe if um you guys you know like he said just reach out to the group um also i'll go ahead and give you the suicide hotline number it's 1-800-273-8255 or you can text at 741-741 and I don't know if this sounds trivial or not, but if somebody would like to have some Christmas cards sent to them or, you know, just as something to pump you up a little bit for the holidays, you know, be, you can give us your address and we'd be glad to send you all some Christmas cards and, you know, just be there for you. Whatever you all need, just please contact us. Yep, that sounds like a plan right there. And Tracy, we're going to get into this a little more later but I want to bring it up now. Obviously, we got a special guest tonight, too, that I'll, I always have forget to bring people up in the beginning. And that's, <laughs> I write it down in my notes and I yeah, still forget. I know you do. That's all right. But we've got Mandy Loftus from mm -hmm. Through the Abyss podcast. Oh, nice. She's a paranormal investigator. And she actually uh, was at Bobby Mackey's for anybody who went. And she was up there with uh, 
Gatekeeper Paranormal. Uh-huh. Uh, she's not a member of Gatekeeper any, any longer. She's right. Three, but she was up there actually helping out, and uh, it was really fun listening to her. She was super funny, but she's got some awesome stories to tell. So she's going to be on a little bit later with an interview. But I want to bring up that our buddy, Ricky Graninger, obviously the original host before uh, Tracy came along. I call it PT, pre-Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> but Ricky actually is, uh, he started his own business. He's got a gutter service. It's called uh, Halo Gutter Services. And we're going to tell you all about that a little later in the show after okay, this first story. Wonderful. But I want, want to at least bring it up that he's on Facebook. So if you go to Halo Gutter Services on Facebook and find him and he'll he'll hook you up. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Good for you, sweetheart. All right, so let's jump into this story. Now, I said a little bit ago that we've covered a few vampire stories on here. Mm-hmm. And I, I put the, the term vampire in quotes mm-hmm. because some of the stories have been about like the New England vampire panic with Mercy Brown. Obviously, she was not a vampire. It was just people had a fear of vampires back in, during that time. So they were, you know, digging up bodies and burning hearts and livers and everything else to try to keep them from coming back from the dead. And when in, in Mercy Brown's cases, it was it was a consumption or tuberculosis that was actually killing people. But God forbid, back then they actually used logic and think it might be something medical. Yeah. Quit jumping to conclusions, people. <laughs> right. Then we covered... The Carter Brothers in New Orleans. And that was that was one that um, it may be more, I don't know. They actually did do stuff, and they did end up missing from their graves. But, you know, could these just been two people that had some medical problems mm-hmm. mentally? But, you know, that was probably the closest one we've covered to actual real vampires. And then we obviously had the uh, Kentucky Vampires which is more of a cult situation because they were involved in a huge murder down in Florida. But here, you know, they were playing role-playing games and they believed themselves to be vampires. But, you know, when I say vampires, it's not the Dracula thing. It's more people mentally thinking that they're vampires or something that causes them problems. Now, tonight's story actually kind of goes more along the lines of the Kentucky vampires with people with some severe mental disorders that do horrible things mm-hmm. based on their beliefs. So after the story, obviously we'll have Mandy on to talk about that. But before we get too far into this episode, I will point out that this may not be suitable for children. It's more of a true crime type story. And I'm not going to lie. This is one of the craziest stories that we've covered. Brother, <laughs> you didn't give me no warning. Well, that's because I knew better. Oh, Are you ready? I reckon let's do this. In the fall of 2001, 24-year-old Daniel Ruda placed a personal ad in a German occult magazine that read, Raven Black Vampire seeks Princess of Darkness who hates everybody and everything. Hmm, that's interesting. He got a response. (laughs) Oh, great. 21-year-old Manuela Bartel. She answered the ad. And the rest would be tragic history. This was definitely a match made in hell. Literally. Oh, Lord. So, Manuela was a 21-year-old dominatrix who had signed her soul over to Satan. The same Satan that Daniel said commanded him to marry Manuela on the sixth day of the sixth month of 2001. He was also instructed by Satan to sacrifice a human soul on the sixth day of the seventh month, and then to culminate the satanic rite with a murder-suicide with Manuela that would then give them both supernatural powers of the vampires, allowing them to fly and to live forever in Hell's Kingdom. Well, that just sounds like a great time to me. Daniel summed it up by saying that kill, sacrifice, bring souls. That was what the whole plan of what they were going to do, in a nutshell, was kill, sacrifice, bring souls. Sounds like a Satan potluck dinner. Yeah, it does, yeah. Everybody bring something. I'm bringing souls. Yeah. All right. B-Y. 
O S. You had to think about it, didn't you? No. <laughs> so this command from Satan, it supposedly came from a vision, and we'll talk a little bit about this more in detail later. But he said he saw the number six 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 seven. This is where he got the six day six month for marriage, six day seventh month for the sacrifice and the murder suicide. So let's learn a little bit about our couple. We'll start with Manuela. Manuela claims to have no memories of her childhood, but by all of accounts, she was a well-behaved child of a railway clerk and his wife. Manuela's birth was a difficult one as she was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. Father Franz Joseph Hagesman remembers her first communion at age 10. He said that she was a shy little girl, that she loved animals, and she had several pets, including a pony. Well, good for her. She would eventually tell a psychiatrist that it was around this time of her first communion when she started to feel different. By the age of 13, she was skipping class and shocking her parents by her punk hairstyles and her dark style of clothing. She started to wear safety pins in her face. Excuse me? Yeah, safety pins. Actual safety like pins. Like up in her face? Yeah. On her skin, yeah. in her she face? She would pierce it through and <gasps> clip it. Oh, dear Lord. She started smoking pot, drinking, and listening to death metal. By the age of 14, she dropped out of school, and she tried to kill herself with a heroin overdose. Oh, my gosh. At the age of 15, she learned about Satanism during a trip to Scotland and England. She met people interested in vampires at a club in London. This is where she learned to drink blood from voluntary donors. Oh, you know, I was going to say, you know, at the age of 21, it just seemed like she was too young to understand all that evilness. But everything you're telling me now is, I mean, it's, it's amazing how somebody can just, their personality can just turn like that. Right, and, and there wasn't an instance that pointed to why. To why she would do that, yeah. Bless her heart. She started to sleep on graves and even had herself buried so she could see what it felt like. When she got back to Germany, she had two teeth pulled and replaced with animal fangs. So she looked would look more like a movie vampire. Who's doing that kind of dentistry? That's what I'm just sitting here think. I don't think my dentist would be doing that kind of crap. It must have been some, like, you know, person in the underground that did it or something. She would eventually go on to hate sunlight and start sleeping in a casket. She also had an upside-down crucifix tattooed into her uh, scalp on the side. I'm like I'm just lost for words here. I don't even understand this. Oh, we're not even we're barely scratching the surface. Oh my gosh. Let's talk Daniel. So Daniel came from a hardworking family as well. His father worked at a chemical plant and his mother stayed home to watch the kids. Daniel said he never felt close to his sisters and was always seeking attention. He was like the um wanted to be the focus yeah. all the time. He did great in school until his high school years. He was very—he was smart enough, and they said he tested well, but he just pretty much refused to do any of his homework. Instead, he chose to focus on his morbid fascinations. By age 12, he felt a lust for blood, and he loved the metallic, salty taste. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he would later confess that he had realized at a very early age that he was meant to be Satan's messenger of death. He had always hated people. Human touches, such as hugs, disgusted him. Daniel began to explore his dark side. He had bloody dreams and slaughterous visions. Starting at the age of 14 after a visit from a powerful satanic spirit named Samuel. His earliest fantasies were of being a monstrous creature who would snap off the heads of humans and then choke them. I don't snap off their heads. And then choke them. What's the point of choking them if his heads come off? I don't know. It's not my dream. No. Don't ask me to 
<laughs> this daydream would eventually evolve into frequent impulses to commit mass murder. But he would only commit mass murder after his parents died because he wouldn't want to bring shame to them. Oh. So that's a good sign. Yeah. He was particularly fascinated with Charles Manson and the murders committed with Manson's followers. He wanted to emulate them himself at some point. As he became more obsessed with the occult, he read the Satanic Bible. He would cut himself and drink his own blood. He then began to only answer to the name of Sundown. That was his new name. In March of 2001, another visit from Samuel gave him that 6667 vision that he had. Okay, so that was our couple pre-meeting each other. So now we'll jump ahead a little bit. They've met in the ad. We're still in 2001. So Daniel kind of started to get in trouble at work. He was a car parts salesman. And this was mainly because he had filed down two of his teeth to, what is that, the incisors? Is incisors, that the, right. He mm -hmm. had filed them down to look more like a vampire. And he would constantly be flashing these to the managers and the other employees. And he would show off his self-inflicted wounds that he had made. And he would show pictures uh, that were of sadistic things with him and his wife. Mm. So, so you can imagine. Very proud. Yeah, not not really things that go over well in the workplace usually from management. So just think about how much damage these two could inflict joining forces, as what we already know about them. Daniel knew that he was about to get fired, so he decided to go ahead and quit before he could get fired, and he wanted to celebrate. After all, the sixth day of July was coming up, and that was a very special day to them. Mm -hmm. That was going to be the day of the murder-suicide and the human sacrifice. Now, Frank Hackerts, or Hacky, as he was known by all of his friends, was going to be the guest of honor at this farewell party. He was 33 years old, he was a Beatles fan, and he was very funny. He was liked by everyone he worked with. Now, so he, I wonder how they choose who they were going to do that to. The next line I was getting ready to read... Oh. He was chosen because he was so funny. Oh. Uh, Manuela said that she could see him being uh, Satan's court jester. So that's why they chose him. Because Frank was so nice, he was the only one who could actually stand Daniel at work and the only one who would even associate with him. He was single, and he took his Christianity serious enough that he almost joined a monastery at one point. Mm. He knew Daniel was strange, but he was open-minded enough to accept his differences. He was trying to be a good Christian. All right. Are you ready? No, I'm not. Daniel and Manuela invited Frank Hackards over to their apartment on July 6th, 2001. Manuela said Satan took possession of them as they sat on the sofa. Daniel stood up and hit Frank over the head with a hammer. Manuela said that a light suddenly revealed a knife on the windowsill, and a voice ordered her to stab him in the heart. Hackard was stabbed 66 times with a variety of sharp objects, including a small knife, a carpet cutter, and a machete. After killing him, they carved a pentagram on his chest with a scalpel. The plan was to kill themselves by either slitting their wrist or getting in their car and running head-on with a large truck. Before the incident took place, the couple had sent a note to Manuela's parents. It was a farewell note and had the last will and testament included. This came on July 9th, so a couple days after this murder. The letter said that Manuela wished to be buried in her own casket, the one that she sleeps in. She said, I am not of this world. I must liberate my soul from my mortal flesh. And by the time the note arrived, the couple had not killed themselves. Oh. So three days later, and they still hadn't killed themselves. Were they checking out? Well, instead, they were actually driving across Germany. I don't know what their initial thoughts were. They just kept driving. 
Her parents in a panic, they get this note, right? And they call police and say, hey, we've tried to reach her by phone. We can't get a hold of her. Here's the apartment. We need you to go over there and we're going to meet you there. The apartment was in Witten, Germany. The parents get over there. The cops are already there. The scene that the cops are going to walk into was straight out of a horror movie. The first thing that they saw was When Satan Lives, written in English, in dripping red paint on the window of the apartment. Manuela's parents, fearing for the worst, they waited outside while police went in. The front door was unlocked. There were no lamps when they got inside the place. The carpet was black. Some of the walls were like a dingy gray color. Others were painted blood red. The walls were covered with swastikas and upside down crosses. There were also inverted pentagrams and satanic symbols and slogans all over the wall. Handcuffs hung by a chain from the ceiling. A whip, metal collar, and a riveted belt were on full display. Also found in the apartment were candles and pieces of stone from graveyards and concentration camps. A human mask with the horns of an animal, cemetery lights, and imitation skulls all over the apartment. Blood was splattered all over the walls and pulled up in several places on the floor. Next to an open casket was an unrecognizable corpse, disfigured by 66 wounds. The scalpel used to carve the pentagram on his chest was lodged into his stomach and sticking out. Near the knives, axes, and machete that the couple had collected over the years was a list of 15 more intended victims. Oh my God. So my question is, if there was a list of 15 victims, was this supposed to be if they didn't choose this guy? Because the plan was to kill themselves after this guy. Right. So I don't know where the other victims would have came in unless he just, like, maybe there were 16 people that they were going to choose one from, and that's, they just chose him. So I'm not sure. Daniel and Manuela would eventually be arrested on July 12, 2001, in Jena in East Germany. Now, after the arrest, the couple said that they were not murderers. It was an execution of an order. Satan ordered this. Fair enough. <sighs> Daniel took it even further. He said they were not guilty because they were acting on Satan's instructions. He said, if I kill a person with a car and half of his bloody head is hanging on the radiator grill, the car's not put on trial. The driver is, the bad one. I have no reason to regret anything because I've done absolutely nothing wrong. So I'm not going to really cover the trial in a lot of detail. We're going to talk a, a, a bunch about the trial. But it's a lot of tedious stuff. There's really no point in, in getting into. So I'll just give some of the important stuff. I will say that before the trial actually started, Daniel had his teeth resharpened and flashed satanic symbols during the trial. And there's actually pictures out there of this too. Manuela requested that the lights be dimmed and the courtroom windows blacked out, you know, because she was a vampire and stuff and the sunlight hurt her eyes. Mm. They instead allowed her to wear sunglasses. Um, I wouldn't even allow that. Why is that bitch getting thing? I don't know. Other notable findings in the trial was that Manuela was actually studying chaos magic and that she was a huge fan of Aleister Crowley. She actually had uh, Aleister's slogans all over her wall. She began to call herself Allegra after the daughter of Lord Byron, who was said to have been sacrificed to Satan. She demanded blood, human blood. She would find human donors through the internet and through discos, and sometimes she would drink her own blood. Also, uh, they both drank this guy's blood after they killed him. In 1999, on the Satanic Holy Day of Samhain, which coincides with Halloween, she swore a solemn blood oath and signed over her, her soul to Satan. We said earlier she had signed her soul over. Now that's when she did it. Daniel said that 
He had also made a pilgrimage to the British Isles, which was about, you know, she had went over to Scotland. That's how she learned about yeah. um, satanic rituals. He had made a trip over to uh, the British Isles, and he said he was under Satan's order to find the other half of his empty soul. That's why he came back and placed the ad that she answered. Okay, the trial began on January 10, 2002. The judge let in over 100 photographers and cameramen. So the couple used the opportunity to constantly put on a show. They were sticking out their tongues, flashing their fangs, rolling their eyes. Daniel wore a Nosferatu t-shirt the very first day. They were doubling down big time. Manuela was the star of the show, though. She got up at 4 a.m. every morning just to prepare. Every day, she had a different twist to her look. She painted her nails blood red, green, and black. She wore white face makeup to kind of look like a, a Japanese geisha. She showed off plenty of flesh with her black leather pumps, her leggings, her see-through, off-the-shoulder, black see-through tops, yeah. Okay, but where was she getting all this stuff if she's in jail? Well, I mean, I guess they give you these things to wear to court. I guess you still get a chance to wear a court. And these uh, these little shirts always with, with the off-the-shoulder uh, would show off her satanic tattoos that she had on her mm. shoulder. The couple entered a plea of not guilty to murder, although they admitted to committing the crime. That's what we talked about earlier when the, the quotes that I had given earlier about using the car and then that was, you know, the Satan told them to do it. It was an order. That actually all those quotes all came out during the trial. So that was their reason for saying that they didn't do it. Manuela said that they really liked the victim and it was not personal. She said, Frank is still here. You just can't see him. Frank's family actually attended the trial. His mother, Doris, said that she came here every day hoping to find some type of remorse or sorrow in their eyes, and she found absolutely nothing. His dad that said that they're just bad people. He said they're not devils. They're sick, bad people. Now, to that point, the Rudas were examined by psychiatric consultants and one of the very best psychiatrists in Germany, Professor Norbert Leikraft, he did the examination and in his diagnosis was severe narcissistic personality disorder. And that's better understood as a character defect rather than an illness, which means they're just bad people, basically. Yeah, but they're sane. It's not a mental condition of, mm -hmm. of sane or insane. The doctor estimated that it would take 10 years of treatment to make any difference in them whatsoever. Wow. On February 1st, 2001, the couple were sentenced. During sentencing, Daniel stared straight ahead at Frank's mom and showed zero emotion point-blank stare straight at her. Manuela sat there and chewed gum and yawned during That's disgusting. the whole thing. The judge started with a statement. He said this was not a case about Satanism. It was about a crime committed by two people with severe disorders. Nothing mystical or cult-like happened here. Just simple base murder. Despite the prosecution's request that they serve their time in a maximum security prison, they were ordered to serve their time in a severe mental facility. 15 years for Daniel, 13 years for Manuela. And I also don't understand why there was a difference between the two. Well, they, they both, both did the same they thing. They both did the exact same thing. And I tried to find some reason for there being a difference, and I couldn't find anything. The judge said that he felt that they were not insane but their mental disorder prevented was enough for to prevent him from giving them a standard life sentence. In well, spot, why why didn't they get a life sentence for Hello. sure? That's a, that was a horrible, awful thing they did. The judge also said that the couple received so much fan mail that he was worried about the public's limitless stupidity. Well, yeah, that is pretty scary. 
All right, so the question is, where are they now? Remember, this is 2001. Right, right. Manuela was released and given a new identity. She still receives treatment today. She's been given, like I said, a new identity, and she has no contact with Daniel. Daniel was also released back in 2017 after 15 years. He now goes by Daniel Wagner. And I, I saw I saw some stuff to where I think they both completely regret what happened. And I know Daniel says that he he's not the same person he was back then and Lord, I would hope not. I would hope, you know. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. He seems like from some of the stuff that I've read that he just realizes that, oh, my God, what a stupid thing this was to do. And I don't know. I mean, was it a mental disorder? Was it a situation to where they really believed that Satan was telling? I mean, who knows? But. It's absolutely horrible. It is. It's it's alarming that people can, you know, have that kind of thought process. And I hated that story. Like, I hated it. I'm just, I'm just like so pissed off at them. But then you're like, you almost feel for them. Like, why could, why did you get in that, you know, state of mind? Yeah, these were two kids that up until basically high school, they were perfect kids. I mean, they were no different than any other child out there. I mean, I pray that they are on the right track now. And, you know, and it's just a shame he had to lose his life. That's terrible. Yeah. And and he lost his life because he was actually the only one yeah. who, who would associate with him because he felt like that was the right thing to do. Exactly. So, ugh, I was, you have to warn me about these stories from now on. I'm just like... <laughs> so depressed now i kind of told you i told you that was going to be a crazy one that you wouldn't like yeah so all right let's do some really quick housekeeping we've got three shows that are uh, live events that are now up and running and we were actually sold tickets for two of the three already oh good so and we're still working on indianapolis hopefully next weekend we'll have an answer on that we know it'll be july we just don't know exactly where and when but that's kind of important i think maybe <laughs> yeah we might want to know where it's at for sure. but the louisville show with justin Rimmel and ohio those tickets are available uh that's in april and then we've got the bobby mackey show that's for sale that is in uh, october and then we've got the one for our sixth anniversary show we sold tickets for that one already too that's so and wonderful that, you guys never cease to amaze us that's at the uh Old Hospital on College Hill in Virginia with our, our buddies from Serial Spirits. So Yeah, and nice. don't forget our cruise. Yeah, and we've got the cruise still going on in September. So Yay! Like fun. I'm so excited. I want to mention, I don't mention this very often, but I want to mention now that I've been reading the book, um, I've been reading that every Thursday. I think we're through the first four chapters already. There's still, I think there's like 20 chapters. Your 21. Book? Yes. And a lot of people have said some very nice things about it. And if you want to buy a copy of the book, you can go to Amazon.com and just get the basic plain Jane copy. Or you can go to our website, HillbillyHorrorStories.com, where you can buy tickets for the cru- or buy tickets for the shows and learn about the cruise. But you can also buy the book there. And if you buy it there, you get it personally autographed and um, anything you want me to write in there, I will write in there for you because I'm uh, I'm uh, like that. Anything for money. <laughs> but no, it's uh, so it gets personalized. And you can get, we'll send it out to you. We send you out some little goodies, some uh, bookmarks and stickers and mm-hmm. stuff like that that all come with it if you order it from the website. If you do order the book or if you've read the book, if you could please go to Amazon.com and leave a review for the book, that would help us tremendously. Yeah, because so. you guys are like really awesome with reviews for sure. Yes. Like the bestest. So that would be awesome. Okay, I told you that I wanted to mention... Uh, Ricky's company real quick, and then we'll uh, jump into Mandy's interview. But I'm excited for Ricky. He started this company. He's super proud. And I told him that I wanted to help him out. So it's Halo Gutter Services. And I'm going to put a link to his Facebook page in uh, the show notes here. So if you hear this, but you didn't catch everything, go to the show notes. It'll take you straight there where you can see everything they do. Here's what it says, though. 
gutter cleaning and repair. Let Halo Gutter Services handle your gutter cleaning and repair needs. We are a family-owned business, and we pride ourselves in providing you with the best service possible. Clogged gutters can cause serious injuries and very costly damages to your home without you ever even knowing until it's too late. So let us keep your gutters flowing properly so you don't have to. Senior and military discounts always provided. We look forward to serving you. And it says free estimates, of course. Call us today. Referral bonuses offered. And then it's got the Facebook page, which you'll have the link to. I'm going to give you the phone number, which I believe is Ricky's phone number. 859-436-5005. If you need any kind of gutter work done in the uh, central Kentucky area, give Ricky a call. And right now is a great time for it with fall and all the leaves and stuff. So good time to hit him up. Absolutely. So congrats to Ricky. I'll start this whole thing. And yeah. uh, hopefully you guys uh, will help him get this thing jump started. Good I'm, job, Bobby. It's tough to start a new business. All right, Tracy, who you got over there? Myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we have our iTunes reviews. Ryan LP, which is Kim. Mojo Lobster. What to Do 76. Kay Cummins. Donna. And Jason B. 007. For our Patreons this week, we have Cindy, Duncan, Villarreal, Cynthia, James Bowen, Hamilton, Eric Tyler, and Jerry Sanford. Thank you guys so much. Reviews were amazing. And, and Patreons, we really appreciate your support with the iTunes reviews and for Patreon. You guys are wonderful, and you always come through for us every week. We can't thank you enough. Absolutely. We love you guys. And I want to say happy heavenly birthday to my daddy today. I love you and I miss you so much. Yeah, we all miss Eddie. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's listen to Mandy Loftus. Hey, guys. I got Mandy Loftus with us. She is a paranormal investigator. And if you guys were at the Bobby Mackey show, you were lucky enough to hear her speak. And I was uh, just telling Laura yesterday how funny I thought you were. And, uh, yeah, I thought you were absolutely hilarious. Lo- love your little bit there. So first of all, thanks for coming on and sharing some stories with us, Mandy. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I love coming on and talking about anything paranormal anytime. So you've been a paranormal investigator for how long? Um, officially, I would say probably about 10 years. I started with gatekeeper paranormal and then five, six, Six years ago, we broke off into my own group, uh, Revenant Quest Paranormal Society. But I grew up in Tennessee around a lot of, you know, superstitious people and a lot of um, very historic places, a lot of Civil War battlegrounds, um, Native American sites, things of that nature. And I've just really always been fascinated with anything that has to do with the supernatural. Let's do this because uh, I want to. I want to make sure we get this in. But you've got a podcast of your own, covers a little bit of uh, like paranormal and true crime. It's a couple of different aspects that you do with a, a friend of yours out in California. Tell me a little bit about your show, real quick. It's called. <clears throat> excuse me. It's called Through the Abyss, and um, basically, it's a true crime, paranormal, dark history. Um, we're both psycho crazy about horror movies. So October, we've actually been interviewing people from different horror movies and putting episodes out like that. We actually, our Halloween was on Bobby Mackey's. um, So we had Laura and Bobby on as well. Um, We kind of just, it's a hodgepodge of everything weird and dark and disturbing. And we just, we're having a blast with it. We've uh, done five episodes so far. So we're still in the very beginning process of it, still learning and, you know, getting our feet wet. And, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. We have, we have such a good time doing it. So if you're listening to this, go subscribe to Through the Abyss. And uh, I, I know the stories that she told at Bobby's the other day. And like I said, she's definitely got a knack for telling the stories. And she had me laughing from the side over there. And uh, I, I think I think her show is a fun show. So you guys are, are going to like it. I, I promise you will. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Mandy, You let's start off with, uh, let's tell me a story from Bobby Mackey's. Oh gosh, which one to choose? There's so many of them. Um, a lot of a lot of my stories from Mackey's are basically from 
either I'm waiting for a tour to show up or a tour has just left. So it's a lot of the times it's from me being by myself in the building. That's when they tend to get a little bit braver, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> there's one that I have a specific place at the bar that I sit. And actually, I, I think I told you guys this at the Mackey. Do you want me to tell it here too? Yes. Okay. There's a specific place at the bar that I sit and it's right in front of the women's bathroom. And I was just sitting in there one day. It was during the summertime. I had shorts on. I was waiting for one of my tours to come in. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this cold hand went up my shorts and grabbed the <laughs> inside of my inner thigh. So, that, you know, that was a little bit, a little bit too much. So I kind of got up and went outside and waited for my tour to come in because that yeah, he was a little bit too handsy for my liking on that one. That, <laughs> that does happen a lot. We do have uh, people who do get grabbed, but girls specifically, they uh, there's there's one little handsy pervert in there. So yeah, we kind of girls got to watch for him a little bit. Um, there's been another time where do you know where Carl's door to his apartment is? Yes. Remember where that is? Um. I had gone to Mackey's, I really, I think I had to drop something off for somebody that had left or dropped something outside. I don't even remember why I was there. Again, by myself, I was in the gift shop writing a note to, I think, Denise to tell her what was going on. And this is something that happens a lot. You have to, you, like, I heard these loud footsteps take off running from like where the entrance to the bar is down towards the bullroom. I mean, just very loud, very fast, you know, so I kind of peeked out a little bit because, you know, it's, it's creepy, especially when you're by yourself, but that's kind of one of the normal things. But then I, I turned back around and was doing something and I just, have you ever had that feeling where something's about to happen or you feel like you're being watched? Yes. Intently? That's what happened. And it made me stop what I was doing and turn around. And when I turned around, there was this white mist that came shooting out of Carl's door and went straight through the wall, like towards the bar area where, where Carl has been spotted. That now, let really me, let me stop you real quick. Just in case people are listening who are unfamiliar, Carl was the caretaker at Bobby Mackey's that at one point says that he was possessed. They did an exorcism in that, kitchen dining area uh down there mm -hmm. in bobby mackey's in the back of the room and then uh, he has since passed away uh but that's when you say carl that's who carl is for those of who yeah, weren't familiar. Yeah, he's, he was he's a staple there i mean you know bar goers and paranormal investigators are like he's he, we'll know his name just he's been on a couple of the shows i know um i think the ghost adventures guys actually was able to interview him when he was still alive which was nice um, but yeah, that was one of the weird things, something that happened on a tour. Oh, you know what? Actually during Nick Groff, when he was there, he was kind of towards the end of the event. And there was, I don't know, maybe a group of 10 people or so for some reason they hadn't been able to go down to the basement. So Laura and myself took them down to the basement and we walked down towards the dressing rooms and I had them all stand in a circle. Uh, so we were all kind of in this circle, just right in front of the dress rooms, no lights on. We were all kind of just being quiet and listening and seeing what was happening. And just out of nowhere, you start seeing all these shadow figures start walking towards us. And they literally surrounded us while we were there. They didn't touch us. They didn't come super, super close to us. But I mean, the energy was palpable. I mean, there wasn't a hair on my body that was not standing up. And it was that was creepy but it was also one of those just so so cool experiences because it, it's you know it's not just me feeling it there was like you know 12 of us in there and all of us were having the exact same experience and i don't think i've ever been able in the basement anyways i've never interacted with that many spirits at one time i mean there was probably i'd say probably five or six of them surrounding us and it was just such an incredible thing yeah i mean it's just one of those things that get you hooked on this insane hobby that we have. So let me ask you this about, about that. Uh, you know, you guys, when you talk during the tours and, and uh, during the live event, like we had 
you guys talk a lot about what really has happened at Bobby Mackey's as opposed to the lore, we'll say, of what's right. there. Because there's Bobby Mackey's is one of the few places I know that has so many different stories that really can be debunked fairly easily yeah, uh, as yeah. opposed to the true history. Where do you think all those spirits actually come from? If there really isn't a Johanna, if there really isn't uh, Pearl Bryant's head being thrown down the well if, and some of these others... Where do you think the spirits actually come from? The actual spirits themselves or the stories? No, the spirits. I mean, where, like you said that you felt like there were six or seven shadow figures down there. Who do you think those spirits belong to? Or, or, you know, is there something else going on with the land? Was it, you know, just, is there any, you know, there's been a lot of fights and stuff there from where it was, you know, when it was the bar back in the seventies before Bobby had it, obviously there was a lot of gangster stuff going on from the mob uh, before that. So do you think it ties into that? I, well, I would be hard pressed not to think it, that the mob would have something to do with maybe some of the spirits that are there. Um, the basement, especially because in my experiences there, the entities that are in the basement seem to be the same ones all the time. Um, I don't feel any different entities interacting with us when I go down there. On the main floor, however, is a little bit different because, and this is my personal opinion, I believe in portals, and I do believe that there are several on the main floor. Um, one is, <clears throat> excuse me, directly above where the well sits, um, kind of right by when you walk out of the men's bathroom and you're going towards the monster room. I think, I believe there's one there. And then if you're looking at the bull room in the very back left-hand corner, we call it the creepy corner. Uh, we mm -hmm. believe there's one. There. Um, and this is something that actually Laura and I kind of agree on. It's, it's almost like a way station. Like for some reason, there's just something about the energy of that place that tends to draw these spirits in and they don't always stay. Now there are, you know, a few of the same ones on the main floor area, like Carl, we still believe he's there. Um, the handsy pervert guy, don't know what his name is. Um, he's, <laughs> he's usually there. Um, but for the most part, they just seem to be different people. And they're very, they're very kind of timid up there. Um, a lot of the times, if you just sit down and just watch, you will see them peeking up from behind the bar, looking around one of the columns, um, where they come from, why they come there, I have no idea, but I really, there's just something about that land um, that's, it's just such, has such a magnetism to it, because I mean, it not only draws spirits, but it also draws people back to the place. I've always been very drawn to it. Um, a lot of the people who I've done tours with, you know, they're repeat customers, they just they'll come back and say, you know, we had to come back. You know, we just feel very drawn to this place. So there's something definitely about, I think the land itself that has just some kind of energy to it. It's, it's really we, incredible. Well, you know, that it's, it's been talked about a lot that it's kind of got everything that paranormal places have all combined. One, you've got ley lines there, you've got limestone, mm -hmm. you've got the water right behind there. Uh, there's yeah. electrical, uh, you know, not at outlets, but poles and stuff all over the place, you know? So, I mean, it literally has everything that could draw people in all in one spot. I don't know of any place other than Bobby Mackey's right off that has all of those things in one spot. Yeah. It's, it's pretty insane. I think if I had to guess the ancient Rams in, in England, I think that might be kind of close. Yep. Yep. I think I they do. They've got all that too. And from what I understand, I've never been there. It's on my bucket list. That's one place I've got to go see. Um, but from what I understand, they have the same kind of activity that Mackey's does. Um, and I think some of theirs may even be darker than what, what's in Mackey's. Um, but, you know, I, it, I guess it kind of just depends on the investigator and what their beliefs are, because some people go directly to demons, whereas, you know, we tend to, you know, it's, it's just a... I've only come across a demon one time, a demon entity at one time in my entire career as a paranormal investigator. Well, let's talk what about it. it. You brought it up. Now we got to talk about it. <laughs> um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to tell. We were at this place and this place unfortunately does uh, shut down, but it's called a dollhouse and it was in Indiana. And I am terrified of dolls. I hate dolls of any kind. And which is kind of funny because it was my idea to go there. I still don't know why. But we went there and they had this, I mean, just 
just this small house. I think there was maybe four rooms, something like that, full of these dolls. And all these dolls, these they were haunted. They had some kind of a spirit attached to them. And there was one room that had a doll in this glass cage. It wasn't locked in. It wasn't bound. It wasn't anything. But the owner said that there's a demonic entity attached to it. And we have a, one of our uh, consultants, she's a psychic medium. She's very, very good. So we, once the owner left and we were kind of left to our own, we called her and we had her, you know, kind of go through the house with us and pick up what she could. And when we got to the demon doll, we didn't tell her anything about it. Um, she said that's something that we needed to stay away from. And I mean, just the energy when you're when you walked into the room and got close to this thing, it was so, I, I really can't, it's so hard to describe because there's kind of a part of me that was just, it made me angry in a way and very uneasy in another way. And once she told us that there was a demonic entity attached to it, um, Amy, a girl in my group, she and I, we sprinkled salt all around it and then you know did holy water around it to bound it in that particular place and as soon as we did that it became so light and so I mean just the atmosphere completely changed it was it it was it was awesome really and I mean the rest of the night we had so much fun we were laughing and goofing around and joking and having a blast and which is surprising because I hate dolls and it was just oh my god just wall-to-wall -wall dolls and there was one this little bitty, this little bitty cute doll. Um, the owner had said that there was some kind of crazy bad spirit attached to it, um, but apparently it was just a spirit who, while she was alive, had dementia, and she carried that over, and she hadn't actually crossed over yet, so she was still in that headspace, mm -hmm. and I felt so bad for her. I asked her to come home with me, and she actually did, and for about a week, I would hear her walking up and down my stairs, because I'm an empath, so I fortunately get visitations from fun ghosts, which is awesome, especially at three o'clock in the morning when they come sit on my bed because I won't talk to them. That's fine. <laughs> um, she, uh, I could hear her walking up and down the stairs, and you know, I would occasionally, a couple times, I actually, when I was on my computer, um, see her reflection just briefly, just for a split second, like in my computer screen. That was kind of cool. Um, but she, I don't know, I guess you know, because I try to keep everything positive and uplifting and light in my house. And I, I have angels and everything surrounding and protecting my, my space because this is my, my space. I don't want bad negative right. things in here. So apparently, I guess it was enough to where she was able to move on. So she only stayed with me for a week and she ended up crossing over, I'm assuming, because I haven't seen or heard from her since that time, which that's, that's such a wonderful thing. I hope she did, was able to finally find peace. Now, isn't that risky to invite a spirit to come with you because you all you can never really tell if who you're communicating with is who you think it is, such as in the case of the original Annabelle? Yeah, it, it's something I definitely would not recommend doing. Um, but there was just, and it's something I've never done before and have not done since. Um, there was just something about her energy that, I was just drawn to, I guess, is what you could say. She just, she really, she kind of touched my heart. And I don't feel, I didn't feel threatened by her. I didn't feel like I had anything to worry about from her other than, you know, just having a ghost walking up and down my house other than that. But I already knew about it. So it's not, it wouldn't have been a surprise. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's not something that I would recommend doing unless you're absolutely sure of what you're doing and you have <clears throat> the proper protection. Um, because I mean, do you, do you investigate? Do you go on investigations? No, I've, I've been on investigations, but I've never actually investigated myself. It's not my area of expertise by any means. Oh, okay. Well, this is an awesome hobby. It really is. It's so much fun and you know, when you have activity, it's just, it just, oh man, it grabs you and just gives you such an adrenaline rush, but it can also be dangerous for people who don't really understand what's going on. Like for me and my team, we always carry 
crystals like black tourmaline, which, you know, absorbs negative energy, um, things of that nature. And then we have, you know, just simple little rituals that we do when we leave a place to make sure things don't come home with us. Um, it, it's, it can be dangerous and it's a lot of fun, but people don't realize the dangers that can come from doing paranormal investigation, especially when you start using Ouija boards. Um, I'm the only person in my group who will use one. Now, Laura, we've actually used them before. She doesn't, she doesn't mind, but I'm, I understand how to kind of close it out because you can leave things open and then things get invited into spaces that maybe you didn't want them to come into. Um, and that actually, we had a private investigation a couple years ago that lasted probably four or five months. And we ended up having to walk away from it because it was, the land had some kind of a Native American curse. There was a lot of bloodshed in the woods that surrounded the area. We had two shamans come in. We had three different psychic mediums come in. We had um, another psychic medium from London come in and some angel light workers. And it, this thing that was there, it was what we call an elemental, which is basically a very, very old, old spirit that's not negative or positive in this particular instance, but it feeds off of whatever's in the house. And these people had been using Ouija boards and trying to conjure things. And the male head of the household was also bipolar, which he nobody told us until the very end. But this thing was feeding off of all of their bad energy and the stuff that they were bringing into the house. And they had four little kids. Their oldest was 12. And one of the times we were there, we literally had him in the bedroom, just sitting down talking to him. And I have this on film. He went into a trance right in front of us, talking about all this crazy stuff that happened, you know, two, 300 years ago on this property. And he ended up drawing this symbol. At the time, we didn't know what it was because I'd never seen it before. But one of the, we brought a sister team in to help us because I mean, it was, this case was just crazy. Um, they, he had a guy who does things with ancient symbols and stuff and came back and told us that it was this kid, this 12 year old kid drew a symbol in ancient Hebrew of death. He drew the symbol of death. There's no way this kid knows ancient Hebrew symbols. Um, right. yeah, so it was, but I mean, it was, it was the craziest thing because our case manager, every time we would start talking about this thing the family would text my case manager every single time this thing, it was, I mean, it, it messed all of us up probably for a good year. I mean, it was, it was something that just a very, very, very bad, bad case and not something that we ever <laughs> want to have to experience again. But I mean, it just, it, it just goes to show you that when you play with things you don't really understand, you don't know what you could be unleashing, but you know, just be careful and cautious and have fun. And it, it is, it is a great hobby. It's expensive, but it's a great hobby. Right. Um, it's a, it's as expensive as you want it to be. You can start off obviously oh, really cheap and basic with like dowsing rods and EMF oh, yeah. readers, but, but then when you start getting into REM pods and Oculuses yeah. and, and all that, it gets a little expensive. Well, you know, and honestly, our favorite equipment and our digital recorders, and I always carry, we have, you know, our DVR system and our cameras and everything, but I'm perfectly content with just carrying my K2 and my recorder. And, you know, I don't need all the high tech stuff because we have so many personal experiences that you're not going to be able to capture on camera anyway. So, you know, hopefully you get lucky to, and get an EVP or two out of it, but you know, it's, it's just really cool. And I still just, Oh God, to this day, this, that case, I call it the devil's house. Um, but yeah, it, it really, it really shook us all to our core. But I mean, that's, that's when you're doing this stuff and you do private investigations, that's just kind of one of the things that you may run into, unfortunately. Mandy, I appreciate you coming on. If you're listening, the show is through the abyss, A-B-Y-S-S. Go check it out. I know you're going to love it. Mandy, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. She is so much fun. I'm glad we got the opportunity <laughs> to meet her. Yeah. Because technically, sure. technically, she wasn't even supposed to be at Bobby Mackey's yeah. that day. Yeah. She that was, was like, we got like double blessings that day. Yeah, because Laura, she said, she told me that 
Laura was doing it by herself and she needed somebody and she called her up and mm -hmm. said, Hey, can you come fill in? Because like I said, she's not part of, of Gatekeeper anymore, but they're still all friends. Of yeah, course. that's very cool. Very and cool. Uh, so if it hadn't been that for it wouldn't have met her. But yeah. I, I mean, since then, she had a story that we put on the uh, Patreon bonus episode. Mm -hmm. And then she came on here and then I met with her and her podcast po uh, partner for we talked for about an hour one night after this and just kind of help them give them a little bit of advice and because they're just getting started. Yeah. So well, they're all do great. I don't know what they will. Go listen to them. Like I said, they've they've only got a handful of episodes out right now. They're just getting started, and uh, go leave them a nice review and tell them you heard about them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Yeah, that'd be great. So thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed uh, the story that we had this week. It was like I said, it was a little bit different. And actually, I've got some more of those for the future. No oh, crap. So. I did not enjoy it. It was horrible. <laughs> well, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'll just get Kristen on for the next one. Yeah, she loves that she stuff. She loves that kind of stuff. Not me. Well, you guys, we hope you have a blessed week. We love you all so much. Be safe. Take care. <laughs>